0: Visitor's desk and pick you up uh, a set of them if you so choose. This morning's message, the sustainer of the sifted saints. And I'm going to start a bit on a personal note. I'm going to ask, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to pause right now and I'm going to ask Pastor Adam Johns if he'd just stand and, and pray over this time of message. Thank you, brother. God is what he's about. Giving hearts to desire and obey, a great work this morning, and above all, glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For now and forever. Amen. Amen and amen. So, about ten thirty on Wednesday night, I was sitting in my office trying to sort out what the Lord would have me to do on this message, and I ended up completing the whole sermon after that moment. And thank my patient wife for allowing me to be gone until morning. But But I want to start on a personal note. And that certainly is not to draw the attention to me other than the circumstances that I may have had in my life, which drew me closer to Christ. And that would be the reason. Please. But I started reflecting on the difficulties in my own life, the times when I might have considered that God's sifting had gotten just a little bit too harsh. Those times of honesty, when I'm willing to tell the Lord, I don't like what's going on. I am troubled by what's going on in my own life. There is too much pain, there is too much sorrow, and I don't understand it. It was a time of life coming unraveled, and many of you remember that, and I want to thank you for the grace that you extended to me personally during that time. Darkness was closing in, and there was no light at the end of the tunnel, folks. It didn't exist. In a deep hole, unable to crawl out, not even to desire to do so, scary thoughts, irrational thinking on how to escape the pain. Where was God? Where was God? Why were these things happening? A time of sifting, but he never let me pass through the sieve. Because I want to tell you something this morning, folks, and this is what I hope we we are able to lay hold of through the message. God's purposes are always greater than our pain. And we have to reconcile that. We have to be able to live with that truth. And we will not completely understand it this side of eternity. Do you hear me? We will not. But we will trust that there is a divine plan, a greater purpose in all of life, even in the circumstances we see around us. Folks, don't look at the world and say, oh my, oh me, oh my. Say, praise God, it's all coming together. God is greater than world conflict. He is greater than corrupt governments. He is greater than all the enemies of the cross. He's greater. He's already won that battle, folks. Don't despair. Because God's purposes are of greater value. I had to believe his design and hold to his divine plan to sanctify and strengthen me. I also knew it was Satan's desire to deceive me, defeat me, and destroy me. Praise God, Jesus won. I had the chance to share a little of my testimony not too long ago. In 1991, when our 11-year-old son died, And I told God I could never bear that again. I could never, ever survive the loss of another child. And most of you in this church remember 2013, February, our 36 year old daughter died. But I want you to hear this loud and clear, my brothers and my sisters and my friends. The encouragement and hope I bring to you today from the word of God is that if you are a child of God, you are loved beyond measure. And if you're going through a sifting, look to Christ and believe his wonderful promise. He's praying for you right now. Amen. He's praying for you. Jesus is praying for you and he will never let Satan destroy your faith or bring you to ruin. He will not if you're his child. Jesus will sustain you. I want to share just a couple of Psalms and then we're going to dive right into the key message, the key text. Listen to what the Psalmist says and I I may say, hear me loud and hear me clear and Satan take notice. Psalm 46. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. Hello, God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. God, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And one more, please, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with pinions and under his wings you shall find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Amen. Would you please stand at the reading of today's text? It is found in the 22nd chapter of the gospel according to Luke. Just a few short short verses to take a look at one more prayer of our Lord. Luke 22, beginning in verse 31, Simon, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death, Jesus said. I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Father, please add your blessing to your word that it may penetrate deep into our hearts and souls, transforming, renewing our minds, bringing us into a deeper relationship with you and a deeper knowledge of who you are and your purposes in our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The first thing that I would like us to take note of, I love the way uh, God started this text, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, directing Luke to pen these words. Satan has demanded. I love that. What do you think of that? Can't you imagine God laughing? You know, Satan has demanded. Now, now Now Satan is so arrogant, so narcissistically evil, if that's a word, <laughs> that he really thinks he's getting his way. Do you see it? I think there's a moment here where because he's finite, he, finite, he doesn't know all things. That's reserved for one. I think Satan's actually believing he's getting his way just for a moment. And God says, go ahead. Go ahead and watch what happens. Satan had to have permission, folks. He had to have permission to sift Job. He had to have permission to sift Peter. There is only one ultimate power in the universe and there is no room for another. Only one supreme, and that is the supreme one. The one true and living God. It raises hard questions. Listen to me. Please, don't be afraid to admit this. It raises hard questions, tough questions. But Satan can only tempt us and torment us to the degree that God allows him to. Now folks, we can wrestle with that, we can gnaw on that, we can fight that, we can try to ignore it and make it go away, but you are looking at a profound truth that exists in the universe. One ultimate power, all other things subservient to him. Satan does not have his way. And we say, well, Satan's having his way in this nation. Well, only to the degree that God has permitted him to do so. And they say, well, then God's responsible for my suffering. No, sin's responsible for our suffering. God is there to sustain us. God is there to keep us. God is there to deliver us on the other side. He may not pull us out of the situation, but he will walk with us through it. That's how faithful our God is. The folly of Satan's plan The folly of Satan's plan. It does raise hard questions. But if you look at the cross itself, from the human perspective, it looked like a total failure. Why did God allow his own son to suffer and die? Because God knew what was on the other side of the tomb. And he knew it was the only way. To provide redemption for folks like you and me. The sifting of the grain was so well understood in this time and maybe not quite as clearly understood today. But you think about the harvest of the wheat when it was brought into the, to the thrashing floors and the winnowing forks, and they would toss the grain in the air. They would toss it up to try to separate the grain from the chaff. Have you ever been tossed? Have you ever felt like God just kind of threw you up in the air? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Well, I have, brother. I have. But he caught me every time. He caught me every time. Then it would go to the grinding stones, the millstones, where it would be crushed and milled down into the usable flour for the making of bread. But there were still impurities in it. There was even particles of the stone that might break off and find its way into that grain. There would be large kernels that made their way through and didn't get crushed and ground into the finest consistency that was necessary. And so we would sift it. Anybody, anybody oh, here's a thought from the past. Anybody remember Mama's flower sifter? That little old thing with a screen on it? Yeah, and, and I remember mama put that, that uh, handle between her fingers and she'd go like that. And that sifted flour would come out and it would be fine and fluffy, just right for using. Folks, that's us. That's us. All the impurities have been taken out. All that isn't right for the purpose that the flower was created for, all that has been removed. And now the finest, the finest is available to be used for God's glory. The scripture is clear. God intends to bring the bride of Christ to perfection through suffering, affliction, and testing. It is in our suffering that we draw nearer to Christ and trust him more. And this very possibly, probably, is why the church in America tends to be so soft. It has not yet experienced the sifting that's going to occur in these end times. I remember Dr. Dr. Jeremiah, David Jeremiah, just made a comment the other day I thought was amazing. This might not be the end of the world, but it is the world of the end. I love that. Puts it in perspective, doesn't it? But here's what enrages the enemy. And by the way, only about 50%, a little bit either side of that, of professing Christians in America today believe in a personal person, a personal being named Satan. That's it. Boy, he got them right where he wants them. Well, I assure you, I do because if for no other reason, Jesus does. (laughs) I don't think we need any other reason. God uses the devil as a tool for shaping his saints. He uses the old devil to bring glory to himself. Think of Joseph and and Jacob's sons, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, delivered to the Egyptians, ascended to power, falsely accused, imprisoned, remained faithful until release, restored, reinstated, and he saved two nations from famine. In Genesis 50, we get Joseph's summary of this, this, this period of his life, the, the bulk of his life. He, we get this simple summary. But Joseph said to them, his brothers, his family, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. Now think about it. He's been thrown in a well. He's been sold into slavery. He's been traded off to the Egyptians. He rose to power again. And then he was falsely accused of inappropriate sexual action. He was sent to prison. He spent prison there. And now he's saying, I'm right where God wants me. Do you see it? As for you, my my dear family, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. Who's going to win this one? To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Romans eight twenty eight and 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Guess what, folks? We we are in glory right now. Maybe not to his fullest extent, but spiritually positionally we're already there we're just waiting to catch up with ourselves Jesus didn't pray that Peter be spared the trial he didn't pray that he would be removed from the temptation he didn't offer any restraining power that would have kept him away from that campfire that night that was soon to be he just said Peter This is what's going to (laughs) happen. Boy, that sets you, wouldn't it? Now, come on, think about that. Be there for a moment. Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith may not fail, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to deny that you even know me three times. Now, come on, folks, what would you say? No way. No way. I wouldn't do that. Oh, but we would have. And many of us probably have. And Peter, when you've been sifted, when you've been through the sifting, you're going to be ready to strengthen the brothers In Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Do you hear the word of God? Folks, we better not put confidence in our own flesh. We better not put confidence in our own ability. We better not put confidence in our own degree or height of spirituality. Listen, if you do, you're already on the way down. Our confidence is in the Most High God. Our confidence is in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one who will sustain us, and he only manifests his power when we admit what? Come on, who knows? When we admit we're weak. God has never asked us for a resume of how good we are. Or how strong we are. Or how spiritually superior we are. He says, I want everything in you that is weak. I want everything in you that's of no value to me. That's what I want you to share. If you're going to write a, a, a paper, if you're going to write a resume, you know, resumes are made to make you look good, right? You, you make yourself look good. on I want, I want you to make yourself look bad. <laughs> give, give me all of that. Give me all of that. That's what I want. The comfort we have all received from knowing someone is praying for us. How much greater comfort comes from knowing that Jesus is praying for us. The folly of Satan's plans, the faithfulness of the Lord's provision. And number three, our failures that God uses for his purposes. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Peter believed that. Listen, don't don't think he was just throwing out of there. I I think he believed that. I think he was absolutely sincere in telling Christ, I got your back. He was going to prove it at the betrayal, he was going to prove it when he drew his sword. And cut off the ear of Malchus. And don't you think for a minute he was aiming for that guy's ear? He missed his primary target and simply got an ear. Peter believed that. And he failed he failed you see peter slept when he should have been praying proclaimed his intention to never abandon christ even if everybody else did he said he would die with him and yet he drew his sword and cut off the right ear of malchus at jesus arrest and then would deny even knowing him three times And I wonder at the time he heard that third crow of the rooster. I hope he was taken back. And there's all kinds of things, you know, that people think Peter thought, you know, when he made eye contact with the Lord and all this. Bottom line, we don't know, other than he was broken. He was broken. And when he heard that old rooster crow for the third time, I hope he remembered the Lord was praying for him. And now we're going to close this by looking at some of the things that Peter learned by going through the sifting. About 30 years later, after this incident, Peter would be making his own contribution under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Word of God. And this is what we hear this failure say. Remember, he had walked on the water. He failed there too, right? He failed, you know. He only got a few steps and then he sank. How many steps did the other disciples get? Uh, they just stayed safe in the boat. So here's the words of a failure. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Where'd he learn that? Where'd he learn that? Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by our brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Where'd Peter learn that? Did he learn it on easy street? Did he learn it by never facing any difficult times? Did he learn it by staying away from all suffering? Did he learn it by running from all persecution? Did he, did he learn? No, he learned it in the fire. He learned it in the sifting. And one more passage from Peter. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. For it is the time of judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? What will it be? And if the righteous is scarcely saved what will become of the ungodly and the sinner. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. Someone underline that. Don't try to explain it to me, okay? Because I'm not going to try to explain it all to you. I'm just going to tell you it's true. And let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. There it is. There it is. I got to read one more. We're, we're on the tail end of being long. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, who's taking care of our faith? Who's taking care of it? That's why Jesus was praying, Peter, don't worry. Satan wants your faith. I am praying that you will not lose it. Who wins? Because our faith is guarded by God even in our weakness, even in our trials, even in our testing, even in our times when we're ready to give up. God says, "No, I got you right here and you're not going to fail. You're not going to fall." In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, there it is again, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Where'd Peter learn that? Where did he learn that? He learned a lot of it sitting by a campfire one night. That's where he learned a lot of it. Have you failed? And if you say no, I and I'm not here the one to tell you where and when, I'm just telling you you're deceiving yourself. We've all failed. And we'll probably fail again. In some manner, some way, some shape, some form. Are you being sifted? Give God the glory. Give him the glory. Trust the sustaining power of Jesus. Everything quiet. Everything quiet. Just, just, for, just for a moment. Did you hear Jesus praying for you? as the king of kings and the lord of lords our great high priest who has passed through the heavenlies sitting at the right hand of god in glory interceding on behalf of the saints jesus is praying for you right now and it's constant he doesn't have a prayer time in timeless eternity He is forever praying for all of his people until we get home and we will get home safely. That's what keeps you in the fight. Not our own strength, not our own wisdom, not our own might, not our own power. It's the sustaining power of Jesus Christ who promised to never leave us or forsake us. That's what keeps you in the fight. And that's what keeps you on course. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness that you have extended. We thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of your Son, forsaking all else, forsaking everything, went to the cross where he suffered and he died, taking the punishment that should have been mine, dying the death that I should have received. Yet he took my place, paid the price I couldn't pay, rose from the dead assuring me and every other follower of Jesus Christ that both death and the grave have been defeated and Christ is victorious over all. Thank you for the hope of the resurrection. Thank you for the hope of eternal glory. And the confidence that we have is squarely and completely and totally Centered in the finished work of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, we would love to take you on a a journey to discover how you can do that. How you can leave here today knowing that you're a child of God. Not because of anything you have done, I have done. Not because you attended a church service and gave your offering and uh, participated in communion service and all those things. But you can know that you're a child of God by trusting in his provision of the forgiveness of sins. That came through his shed blood. You can know. The Bible says that. I'm not making that up. These things are written so that you may know. Are you confident today? And don't think that's arrogance. Don't think that's being self-righteous. You should be confident. You should be confident that if Jesus is sufficient to save you, he's more than able to keep you. You can have confidence.